Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. I apologize to my mom, who uh, is probably watching, but our guys are f***ing giants. Like, that was an unbelievable victory tonight. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Warriors huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual. My producer, Marcus, who What's up, is Dub Nation? off the phone finally and uh-huh. back with us in person. Welcome back, big man. Thank you. Thank you. What's up, Dub Nation? And I like that you redid the open there. And with us also, our master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? And rejoining us after a small break, it fires me up to announce a man who has covered the Warriors for more than 11 years, a long time friend of this podcast, and a guy who is forcing us to record in his weight room right now, Mr. Rusty Simmons. It's because I'm so committed to my diet and my exercise. I mean, this is the only time I have to do this. For those of you thinking I'm making some kind of a really strange joke right now, I am not. I am being completely literal. We show up to this for no Rusty's house. I'm all fired up. You know, Maxime, Marcus hasn't seen his place yet. I'm going to kind of flex our friendship. I'm showing him where to go. Rusty lets us in, says his apartment has an asbestos problem or something. And now we are recording in an empty workout room, which is the most awkward place you've ever recorded or what? Second. <laughs> the spy usually record out of here. <laughs> the steam room is the first one. Uh, Maxime, you're the sound guy. Are you upset by this or what? No, I think it's great. Yeah, I'm like getting ready to get jacked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like your version of the story way better than mine because if you had told the truth and said that the regatta room was already reserved, I would have lost a ton of credit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you lied about the regatta room. I'm not even sure that's a real place, but talk about bearing the lead. Huge game last night, gentlemen, an even bigger win, but a bittersweet one. Uh, We lost Kevin Durant for what sounds like at least the remainder of the Houston series, so there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, I want to jump right into an off-the-court report, but let me ask you this, man. So we found out, or what the Warriors are reporting, is that this is a left calf strain, um, and they said it was a mild one. What I would normally ask you is, what's the update on the injury? But I'm going to flip it a little bit. Uh, When it first happened, it was... Pseudo reported as an Achilles injury, and there's a good reason for that. Anyone who's ever seen an Achilles injury watched that, and it had all of the indications of that exact body part. So my first question to you is, is this a calf injury, or is, there, is it possible that it could be something else? Yeah, I mean, the, the one reason that, that I believe thoroughly that it probably is a calf injury is that Steve Kerr went out of his way last night to adamantly say it is not the Achilles mm-hmm. Um it's a calf, it's an ankle, it's something, right? Um, and so then we all kind of waited around today to find out what grade of strain it was on the calf. Yep. Uh, and every doctor that I talked to said, yeah, that's the important thing. There's a, a drastic a sweeping change between grade one, which is four or five days, versus four or five weeks sometimes for a grade two. Okay. Um, and the Warriors just announced that it was a mild strain. Which is not a medical term in any way, shape, or form, right? Yeah, no no doctor that I talked to said that that meant anything. <laughs> so- which which I... I completely understand. At this time of year, why in the world would you give a competitive advantage to your opponent? I'm yeah. not trying to give right. any information. If, if right. I can do the hockey thing and say it's a lower body injury, that, that's all I'm announcing. So I think the Warriors 
have gone further than they have to in saying that it's a calf, that it's mild, that it's anything. Why, why, would they, why would they say anything to Houston right now? When we were talking about this before the mics went hot, I was looking at it from a totally different angle. Um, what I thought, the reason I, th- I contemplated them lying about the injury was lying for their own team's mentality. I thought when it first happened, and we were facing the most important fourth quarter of the season, maybe of the dynasty, right? We're in such a better place now, and we'll talk about that in a second, having won that game, that it would have made sense to me that you didn't want your boys thinking that they just lost the best player on earth for the remainder of the year. So you tell them, no, 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 it's good. I look like Achilles. It's calf, you know? And then when we got that non-medical designation, when they called it a mild strain, which is not a term, it immediately kind of rekindled all that confusion for me. But as you sit here right now, as far as you know, calf injury, mild or otherwise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what it sounds like. And, and an interesting note from last night is probably a guy that you wouldn't think would, all the leaders that the Warriors have, Draymond Green being very vocal about it, Stephen Curry, the way he goes about his business, Clay's not affected by anything, yep. Andre Sean have all this uh, built up, all this experience. Uh, the guy who stood up in the huddle last night when Kevin Durant went down was DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, I, said, I saw Andre he say just that. kept telling him, look back at the court. That's where everything's happening. Stop looking at the locker room. Stop worrying about his Achilles, his calf, his whatever. When is he coming back? Who cares? Look at the court. That's where everything's going down. And that's got to mean the most coming from somebody who's had an Achilles injury himself, yep. right? And yep. It's like that's exactly who I would look to to understand how to process this. And he says, no, it's about the court. This is just another illustration of what kind of a sick fuck I am. And I've made these admissions enough times where I don't slow down now. But I wouldn't have that mental maturity. If, if I was to Marcus and I'd gotten hurt and now I've lost out on this opportunity, right? I'm sitting on the bench, but I don't get this is supposed to be my coronation, my championship run. And it was taken from me right in the beginning. If I'm being totally honest with you guys, that happens. There'd be a portion of me that like is relieved that I didn't miss out. These guys aren't going to win. Like, oh, like I, I, you know, this, this wasn't the blown opportunity. And the idea that he became the Band-Aid, right? Like, he wasn't furthering the separation, but he's trying to help them really impresses me. I, I didn't know that he had that kind of maturity. Yeah, no, it's impressive. I panicked immediately. I mean, I texted you and Maxine right <laughs> off the bat and said, it's an Achilles, he's done, but silver lining, he's signing for the Max next year. He has to rehab with us. No team will sign him, even the Knicks. It doesn't make sense. So I was like, it was a blessing in disguise. We had friends over, and I shouldn't say we. as My wife had some friends over who I know she doesn't listen to the podcast. I can say I don't really like at all. And one of the upsides was that we were watching the game, um, and I was tap dancing socially, just desperately trying to get their approval, even though I don't like them. And it happens, and I stopped talking entirely, like legitimately. Like my jaw kind of hits the ground. I was mid-sentence. I don't even know what the hell I was talking about. And it got really awkward in there. Like, I think somebody asked me a follow-up question. Like, oh, so what do you do for a living? I was like, it's an Achilles! It's an Achilles! <laughs> I'm like sending texts. So, yeah, I didn't take it super well. Let's just say it that way. Well, it, it did have every point that I've ever observed of Achilles. Like, I was in Staples when Kobe went down, and he turned around and asked Harrison Barnes, did you kick me? That, that's uh-huh. the exact response. And you watch Kevin Durant look back. Nobody's there, and he's like, what happened? And then he yeah. looks at his ankle, looks at his calf, looks at his Achilles. And even when he reached down to grab, it was way lower yeah. than the lower. calf. Yeah. And the way he shuffled off the floor. Yes, he wasn't, yes. He wasn't limping. What the Achilles does is allow you to articulate your foot. And when, when You he looked did, that up today, didn't you? Uh, foot, I did. Yeah. Yeah, I've never <laughs> used that word correctly. But he, he literally had to like... He wasn't pushing his foot up or down. He was shuffling it forward, which made me feel exactly that. But right. let's confirm it this way. He's out for the Houston series. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. what that's that's what they're saying. Um, and it was interesting to me last night to follow kind of the wave of emotions. And in, in the playoffs, you expect it 
day to day, at least game to game. But I, I don't know that I've ever seen it quarter to quarter like that because it went from shock and terrible, this guy's hurt, who knows what's going to happen. Then there were the fans who, like you, said, oh, well, that means he might come back. And then all of a sudden the fans shifted to, oh, wait, now we're back to the original. Yep. Back to the original big three. Let's go. And it was interesting to watch kind of that wave go last that night. That whole game. I mean, they're up 20. They're down one. Draymond has a terrible technical against Chris Paul, then comes down and hits one of the biggest threes I've ever seen. Uh, we fear that, that KD is out for the year. Then we have one of the best comeback victories and find out that it's only a calf strain. The whole thing was this like roller coaster bouncing back and forth. But again, I'm burying the lead. So we got a sense of our somewhat psychotic reactions. How the Warriors react? Let me transition to this. Off the court report. You were there, man. You went out of the locker room. So you saw them. What's the mentality of the team after something like this? The, the sad thing about this is that they've been through it before, right? They just went through this yeah. with DeMarcus. Mm-hmm. The, the, this guy, after all these years, was finally in the playoffs, and then he gets a game in four minutes or whatever it was yeah. into his playoff career right. and goes down. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so they've been through a lot of this stuff. Um, and it's I, a different injury, though, right? If, if there you're feeling absolutely. bad for Demarcus, here you're feeling bad for you. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And, and if they hadn't, if they hadn't turned this thing around, I mean, they were amid blowing a twenty point lead, right? So if they hadn't turned that thing around and won, it would have been interesting to see how different it was. Mm-hmm. But, but I thought there was resolve and confidence in there, and and even. Even though a lot of us weren't buying yet that it was a calf injury, when we were in there, um, I didn't see any of the players thinking about this being career-ending, being even playoff-ending. Most of them were under the impression that Kevin Durant is going to play again in the playoffs, and some of them thought he was even going to fly to Houston with them today. Huh. Okay. Wow. Wow. Again, it's smart for, for the Warriors just to give a response that's vague. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't say it's load management and he may come that's back right, that's right. sometime. Yep. He <laughs> was hell of tired in the fourth <laughs> quarter. <laughs> Is he injured? No, just load management. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't like sitting on the bench either, so we had to bring him back. Is that why James Harden didn't shoot in the fourth quarter? I think that's, no, that's exactly that is exactly right. We encourage housing, James, uh, as much as you possibly can. Did you see KD afterwards? Um, no, I didn't. Uh, I wasn't in there in time. I saw uh, Anthony Slater had a couple of tweets about seeing him and that he, Kevin was doing his normal thing, which is looking at his phone. And um, a lot, he'll study the stat sheet so that when he goes to, to do his news conference that he's informed and, and does a really good job with it. And I think that's what he was doing. But it, it didn't seem like, like when DeMarcus got hurt, he was gone. Mm. Nobody knew where he was. Huh. Nobody knew the next time he was going to even be with the team again. Draymond Green said he texted him and then just stopped. He yep. said, "I got to give him space." And this was this was not similar to that at all. I mean, Kevin was right there in the middle of it, and and nobody was panicking. You don't mind if I bust out a couple reps real fast? Do you? Please I'm just do. yeah, maybe a little <laughs> yeah. bicep exercise, something like that. I mean, it only take a couple minutes. Uh, I don't know if you can lift those things. I, I cannot, and it was a joke. I'm not going to lift anything, and I hate that we're in an exercise. Room. Wait your turn. I'm doing that. <laughs> you bastard. We all need to hate Rusty for this. I don't want you to uh, suddenly support him. We were worried about the trains going by, and I think there's some sort of tsunami going on right now. <laughs> there's like a homeless man outside. I have no idea what's happening in this recording setup, but let me uh, let me hedge that with a compliment. Um, you're a good read of people. That's been true for as long as I've known you, and that takes two forms, only one of which we've talked about right now. One of which you can go into a room and literally look at people and, and try to get a sense of, of how they're feeling, and that's what we just heard. The other thing is, though, if you know somebody, you have a lot of skill sets where you can kind of pick up their personalities. You have known Steph, you have known Clay, you have known Draymond since they were drafted on this team. You have watched them go through dynastic runs, and you've watched them have sub-500 seasons, and you've watched them deal with injuries. What do you expect from them personally? After something like this, you know, like it, it, it's not a panic, 
But do you expect them to be fighters? Do you, I mean, what, what do you think is going to happen here? Yeah, exactly what you've seen from this team. People forget that it was only 2015 when they were doing this without Kevin Durant. Um, it was only November when Draymond Green told Kevin Durant, we can do this without you. We don't need you, right? So now we're going to find out, right? They, they did it four years ago. Can they do it now? Isn't this different, though? So they, they, all, all the money that was spent on Kevin Durant in 2015 was spent on you know, Leandro Barbosa. It was spent on a bench. It was spent on like all the rest of the depth that this team does not have, which I, I am optimistic, and we're going to talk about that. But isn't there a difference between... You know that that first championship run and who they are now. There is that's a, that's a, that's the right take. Um, and, and you know what the the first, you you mentioned Steph and Clay and Draymond, which all makes sense. Um, but I also think Steve Kerr will be tested during this. Huh. Um, one of the things that I think is so important about NBA coaches is managing egos and managing your bench. And because Steve Kerr spent his life as a reserve, I think he manages the bench better than anyone. Yeah. And he always gives credit to them. He says. Jonas is just a professional. He's always ready. Kavon's just always ready. Yep. Uh, whenever I turn to somebody, they're always ready. It's but, Jonas, but I think whatever. <laughs> but, but I th- but I think that is Steve Kerr keeping them ready. Uh, he checks in with these guys all the time. When you're at the facility and you see him after practice, he's hanging out on the yoga pads, just sitting there chopping it up for 15, 30 minutes yep. with each guy, talking about their family, their life, what's going on. Yep. Um, and that's that's how you keep guys ready. I think that is a great take. And you know what is making. So I think it is an inadvertent, phenomenal response to all the criticism that Steve Kerr has been wearing throughout these playoffs. And what we have done, and rightfully so, we've pointed out the things he's not really good at during these playoffs, mainly in-game management. And that's causing problems, right? We've, we've seen that. But what you're highlighting right now, and what they need more than anything right now, is his skill set. And it's managing exactly. the room. Yeah. Like, they need a dude to be able to sit these guys down and tell them exactly what you've already been saying. You've done this. We don't have to guess. We don't have to pretend. We know exactly what you're capable of. And if, you, if I was going to pick somebody right now, a game manager, a defensive-minded person, anything, what I would pick is somebody who can drop the type of motivational speech that Kerr can drop. So, you know, so everybody who's been housing him, sit back. Hopefully, we're going to have a, a retaliation to that right now. And I, don't, and I don't know how much convincing he has to do of Steph and Clay and Draymond because... Right. I was joking about they just did that in 2015. They just said they could do it in November, but they just did it last night. Like, yeah. you, you don't have to convince those guys. Yep. The guys right. you have to convince are the guys who haven't been playing a ton, who are on the bench, who now all of a sudden are going to be playing 8, 10, 12 important minutes. Who are those people? Like, who does Steve mm. go to next? It, it was interesting last night because I thought in the same sentence where he was talking about Kevon Looney being the unsung hero and everything that he did, he turned around and said, but he can't play 35, 38 minutes. And I thought that's just what he was going to say, yeah. is we're going to replace those minutes yeah. that way and then right. fill it in. Um, so this really has to be a group effort, right? Because they don't have – obviously, they don't have somebody who can replace what Kevin Durant produces. Um, but they also don't have somebody who can log that many minutes. That so was, now you're talking about three, four guys playing those minutes. Right. The other roller coaster last night was the Jonas Jerebko, or I should say Jonas and follow up my own joke, the Jonas Jerebko roller coaster we were talking about before we came in here where he comes in and hits a three, and all of us are like, Jerebko, like, this is fantastic. And then his next shot hits only backboard. You're like, oh, my God, it's Jonas Jerebko. Like, what are we going to do now? Like, This is not the answer, Jonas. Please, anybody else. So we heard everybody else's. We know how the hell I reacted. We got a sense of the uh, the locker rooms. How'd you deal, man? Because you're generally speaking as crazy as I am. So I'm hoping you have some kind of flowery, terrible response. Flowery? Yeah, I wasn't terrible? sure what that meant. Yeah. Wow. I mean, let let the record reflect. There's somebody working out in here now, and I feel <laughs> weird about the whole Mother's thing. Day Sunday, man. You this better figure out the difference between flowery and terrible. This is absolutely your fault, <laughs> and I'll never forgive you for this. <laughs> 
I think I had the exact counter reaction to um, to what you had, which was I was like, whatever, I'm gonna be totally optimistic. You this continued to speak, great. for example. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I did. I just started talking. I babbled. Right. I had I had my fiance next to me, and she's just sitting on the couch, like, oh no, this is not good. And I'm like, no, nah, it's fine. Like, don't worry about it. And I just like rattled off a bunch of takes, um, and it was cool until Marcus texts me, and I'm like, well, this guy knows. He played ball at Cal. Like, I didn't play ball in high school like it's an Achilles tear we're f***ed and I was just riding that roller coaster of emotions just like everybody else in Oracle um, it was tough man I did not have a good fourth quarter or a third quarter to fourth quarter alright I have been saving this because I think I'm being a little bit ridiculous and I am not anxious to have you tell me I'm being a little bit ridiculous but let's find out together I have a couple of probably far too optimistic takes let me give them to you guys you tell me whether or not I'm completely off base they will here. not give them the trophy tomorrow here is my first <laughs> far too okay Please continue. I look I'm only doing two the third one I'm keeping to the side okay they won't do the actual parade tomorrow fair enough far too uh, optimistic take number one Houston is a very good team who is very good at a lot of things. But the one thing that they have proven to us time and time again, specifically Harden and Chris Paul, is that they're not good with pressure. They, you know, he, he is the scoring champion throughout the regular season, but when the bright lights come on, we're not seeing anywhere near the amount of uh, scoring opportunities for Harden. Or even more specifically, he has lost every playoffs when they, they come up against Golden State. And I think a lot of that is pressure. Up until now in this series, there's been no pressure. It's, they are the David versus the Goliath. Everyone is expecting them to lose, right? This is the multiple-time champion, so it's just them. You know, It's like a lottery ticket for them. That all changed last night. You know, Vegas now thinks that Houston is the favorite. Everybody is assuming that they are going to be the team that moves on. Put differently, the pressure's on them. So my big optimistic take, number one, is if Steph or Clay or somebody comes out hot in game six or seven, they build even a slight lead, eight, nine points, I can see Houston's butthole puckering up immediately and the Warriors being able to walk with it. Am I being unrealistic or somewhat possible? Yeah, I mean, I get the take. I think we've seen that from Houston, from James Harden in general, is that when when the lights are the brightest, when the pressure's there, mm-hmm. whatever the reason, it could be the usage rate and the minutes that he plays during the regular season. Too flowery. But, but during the playoffs, it, it dissipates for some reason. Um, I had a problem with him at the, in the fourth quarter last night, but then I look back, and they scored on eight of their last ten possessions. Yeah. So you look at that, and you're like, well, he was probably yeah. making the right play. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't think, since it's in Houston, I don't think the crowd would allow that to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think they have too many, whatever you think of James Harden, I think they have too many guys like, Paul and Tucker, uh, who, ju- who just won't allow that kind of thing to happen. They're, they're not quitting on anybody. Yeah, I agree. I think the other wild card for them now that KD is hurt is Capella. KD was switching off, and he was preventing those pick and rolls and those rim runs and those alley-oops because he was just tall enough to bother him, and he wasn't having that 15-point, 20-rebound game. And now you throw Kavan in there to start. I don't know if he has that same ability to stop him off the bat and if he gets going and he gets excited the crowd gets into it i could see capella having a big game and it's sending us back to oracle pretty quickly this feels like verbal judo we entered this segment as brams being too optimistic and ended up with marcus is being crazy pessimistic and far too realistic that is probably all right but we're looking for reasons why the warriors can ultimately pull this out here can, can i toss an optimistic please <clears throat> the one thing that i was thinking about throughout the course of today and in processing all of what it means for Katie to not be in is, um, you know, and I'd love your guys' opinion on this. KD 
pushes the Warriors to be a lot more ISO heavy than what I'm used to seeing um, in years past, right? The pre-KD era. So him not being in, I expect to see a lot more ball movement, a lot more of sort of the classic, you know, um, 2015 era ball. Um, and I'm wondering, I feel like Houston, one of their big goals in this series has been to slow down the pace. And to me, the ISO heavy stuff, right? The like really kind of nitty gritty. Plays right into that. Yeah, right. So maybe him not being in there, you get back to Steph being your, your main guy. You get a lot more ball movement that might pick up the pace and additionally get Steph back into his rhythm um, that we're used to seeing. And, you know, I mean, it's clear that he is in better shape than he was in 2015, 2016. So we might see the best version yet of Steph um, in the post-ISO game six. You're selling me. Yeah. No, I, I agree thoroughly. Uh, I think we just had an earthquake. I agree thoroughly. Uh, I, it's easy to chart assists, right? And the the Warriors' magic number is 30 assists, which during the series they haven't done a whole bunch. Um, but a bigger number for them is that they like to have 300-plus passes. And I need to check with the Warriors on this, but apparently it's gotten below 200 at some times hmm. during this series. So wow. I think you're reading that exactly right, that they've gone to ISO. And it, it's, it's so easy to fall into that because you've got the best player in the world, definitely the best scorer in the world, the best isolation player. Why, why wouldn't you use right, that if right. it's there um, right. but now you don't have that option maybe you do get back to player movement ball movement and and that's what is the most fun to watch and I think for them the most fun to play yeah and you saw the difference that early second quarter run they were moving without the ball and cutting and Houston just head on a swivel and it was just it was crazy to watch them they were panicking and it was just like the Warriors were in their element and then when we were blowing the 20 point lead it was just stagnant it was like spread out iso ball and it was none of what got us that lead so you know if they can keep it up i think just stamina um will be the main thing it, it tires even clay and steph out to run around that much so do they have enough to do it on both ends of the floor well that's what's going to be terrifying so if you're mike d what you're going to do is just flood those two guys i mean you know now the warriors are going to have to run all their offense through the backcourt it's the splash brothers and if you are houston you double triple team those guys and and dare them to kick it out to who loon you know or jerebko who's going to go off the side of the backboard and so like that that's the thing that that intimidates me about this current setup and it's one of the reasons that you know katie's loss means so much but the easy Easiest thing we can talk about, and now you've judoed me into being pessimistic. But <laughs> the the easiest thing that we can all remember was when we lost to Cleveland in that game seven, and we didn't have the one on one threat that Katie represents, sure. and we kept firing up those goddamn three pointers, and none of them fell, and we all had that yeah. that sense of like relentless hopelessness. Right. Now, I don't think it's going to happen again, right? But the, it is at least there. Let me give you another optimistic take. One, this one I know even you, Marcus, can't steal from me. Um, <laughs> This has changed the entertainment narrative, right? So like leading into this, Warriors games, if you were a Warrior fan, it was like inviting someone to your house and playing them in a video game that you owned. You were supposed to win, and if you lost, it was a huge deal. And if you won, it meant nothing. That's what was supposed to happen. All of this was just this kind of uber favorite, you know, Goliath mentality. Now it's way closer to a Disney movie. You know, they, we, we have lost the biggest, baddest kid on the block, the new guy, by the way. We are back to the people who were drafted by this team, the homegrown kids who we've all grown up with. And for the first time, they are underdogs despite having, you know, historic talent. So if nothing else, the narrative, how we can enjoy this, I think has gotten a lot better. Can you take that from me? No, I agree. I mean, we still have more all-stars than they do. We yeah. have a finals MVP on the roster you know like we're a talented team we're not as deep as them probably but um no I think you get to keep that optimism in there 
It is a weird thing to me to to think about that because I watched the line today and it went from Houston was favored by half a point to six and a half points. Yep. And to me, it was like, well, they still have more Hall of Famers. They still have more All-Stars. Yep. They still have more guys who were M- NBA Finals MVPs. They still have more Six Man of the Year award. I, I don't know what understand that means, what, You know what that means? That means people are dumping money on the Warriors. So like if that's that right, they just moves, want to see it move. Yeah, that's, that's right. Exactly that's right. right. So that means the people out there are thinking exactly what you are thinking. Um, let me ask you this because I so rarely get an opportunity, uh, someone of your experience, to be able to ask this kind of question. Why does James Harden walk like he is holding a dime between his ass cheeks? That's what he's doing. You know, he is. Yeah. He always has a dime. Every game. Him. Yeah, because yeah. I just, I it's don't good luck understand. Him. It is. It is. Because you think Michael Jordan wore down. his UNC shorts backwards. This guy goes Harden, dime. Dime, dime in the tail. Huh. Yep. You know, I'm going to start podcasting and doing that exact same thing. That is unexpected. <laughs> well, I, you're not doing that? Well, not this time. Not in the exercise room. That's a ridiculous question. It's the place to do it. <laughs> Who's going to start in uh, Katie's place? It's interesting. I heard you say Kavan. Like mm-hmm. the, you just were convicted on that earlier. Uh, and he can't you, shoot. You might. You might be right. I. I think Steve Kerr loves to keep his ro- rotations in order. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if he starts Bogut, tries to get six, four, six minutes mm-hmm. out of him, mm-hmm. and that way you can leave Kavan in his same role. Sean Livingston's basically playing Andre's role since Andre's moved into KD's role. And they just have Bogut fight through screens. I mean, how do you how do you get over the idea of him maybe guarding Harden? Well, I mean, that that's what they're going to have to deal with. What's your other option? Yeah, right. Jonas or Jordan Bell yeah, or Kavan. Right. I mean, uh, and, and again, we're talking about guys who can't play 35, 38 minutes. Right. And, and, and it seems to me like in the past when Steve Kerr's had the option, he's gone to stick with the traditional lineup as much as he can at the beginning so you keep guys in your role. So that, that's my guess is that it'll go with Bogut. But I wouldn't be surprised at all, especially the way Looney's playing right now. You convinced me. I was convicted that it was going to be – Loon, but I think it might be Bogut. He's trying to steal five to six minutes, and then you keep Looney in his rhythm because otherwise that disturbs that, and possibly then you have a, a bigger issue. That makes sense. I mean, if if I'm right about them flooding the Splash Brothers, then I think he'll want shooting on the floor. Yeah, because you know, I think they'll have to keep somebody out there to maintain spacing. So know? who are you going with, Quinn? Jarebko. Jarebko. Yeah. Um, One for five off the side of the backboard. Yeah, and I, I spent <laughs> the first ten minutes shithousing him, too. So Bogut can shoot it's not the, the backboard. Just, just right? FYI. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny, and my take was good, and I don't like when you guys team up on me. I feel like I made that very clear. Isn't it crazy, though, that Bob Meyer says all the time, we don't have enough shooting, and every time he does, I'm like, you guys are the Warriors. You guys are the best shooting team in the galaxy ever existed. And then as soon as one person goes down, you're like, geez, they don't have enough shooting. <laughs> Give me a professional take on this. Um, as a fan, not a professional, I recognize James Harden's game. I understand how talented he is. I understand that it's a generational talent. But I don't respect it. I can't stand it. It drives me insane the way that he flops and all these other things. But that that's me being influenced by emotion, um, and we can leave that to the side. Do you respect his game? As, as, as you do this for a living, of I mean, course, yeah, yeah. Especially a guy like me, who I, I don't have the talent that some of the other guys have. I don't have the skill level. So if I could learn to play with beyond a shadow of the whistle and learn to get things to kind of go my way, um, I appreciate that. And he's adapted huh. his game. Uh, we've talked about this before that at the All Star break, he apologized to Stephen Curry for the way he's playing. He said, "I don't want to play this isolation style. I want to play good, fun basketball where we're moving the ball and sharing it." Um, but he's doing it because that's what's best for his team. Tell me way more about that. So this is – they're obviously both on the Western Conference All-Star team. Is it during a practice or something? When when would they have had that interaction? Yeah, and it was – yeah, it was, during, it was during a practice, and it meant so much to Stefan that he immediately went to Coach Bud, Milwaukee's coach who was in San Antonio forever, and said, you never believe what James just told me. He said, I'm sorry. I don't want to be that? doing this. 
Why did Why did Steph do that? No, why did James? Do? Why Why would James do that? They They've built up a good relationship. They play Team USA. Those Those guys they travel forever. Uh, they're stuck in Las Vegas, so late at night, the guys who don't go out go to the gym. So that they're in that group where they spend a lot of time together. They have hold, a bond. Hold up, hold up. James Harden doesn't go out. It only does that during the playoffs, right before Game Seven. <laughs> oh, okay, it's like great news. And Houston strip clubs. No international ones. Cool, cool. But when it's summer, Team USA get down to business. There's no <laughs> okay. time for that. You got to be in the gym with Monty Williams and Steph and. Sure. KD and Clay makes sense, uh, but they've, they they've built up that that equity of that work ethic, and and I think when you see the Warriors, you see a team that shares the ball, that plays with joy, and so when you're an outsider, it's kind of your natural thing to be like, man, I'm sorry, my usage rate is more than Michael Jordan huh. or Allen Iverson's ever was. Yeah, this is not sure. the way I want to play. It is also the biggest inadvertent compliment you can pay somebody that that it was Steph of anyone else on that team, you know, that that if anyone else in the league that he needed to know. I'm not really proud of what's happening here. I need you to like respect what it is that I do. I just think that is so cool and such a good indication of who Steph has become in this league. We we see the six foot three, hundred and eighty five pound frame, and you don't realize the respect level that right. he demands in the league. Like, uh, and and that, I think you're exactly right that that points to it. That the guy who's having. Uh, a year that, that people haven't put up in decades that's, that's never happened as far as usage rate goes, uh, as far as isolate. He had 16 isolations per game during the regular season. I mean, it's absurd. Nobody's ever had a year like that. And he comes to Steph to apologize for the way he's playing. That, that says something. Any because. truth to the rumor that he also apologized about the ass time? He did not. No, no. He, no. he tried to talk Steph into doing it. He too. did. He yeah. said, "Okay." Then I misheard that. Then I, I, that's that's weird. I don't know where I got Apparently that. Apparently, Steph could get away with four or five steps on every uh, possession if he had. If you have the time. time. Yeah. Oh. Secrets of the universe. I was sure you were going to say. Apparently, he thought Steph could get away with four or five dimes in his ass. <laughs> I thought so too, and I wasn't sure if it was a compliment. I had no idea where we were going with it. You know. Anyways, welcome back to Ass and the Dime podcast. It's really good stuff. Uh, here's another serious question: Should Austin Rivers be considered? Considered in the who's the most hateable rocket contest? I feel like yes. Why do you always hate well-respected good players? He can't be a well-respected player. Whoa, I well do not, there's no way that Austin Rivers is a well-respected player. He's That's, about to be part of the first family of the NBA. Yeah, that might be true, but this isn't like we're looking at his his societal uh, background. We're trying to figure out whether or not his face is hateable, and I say absolutely. Don't you respect a little bit the fact that he got traded by his father, got thrown out on the street? and found a way to get on a team that is challenging the best team in history of basketball. Uh, here's what and I get playing time. And, yeah, and be, uh, contributing to that yeah. team. My yeah. response to that is I've been calling him Nepo, which is short for the nepotism kid. So, no, I have not been bowled over, but my question's far more simple. I'm, I'm not asking whether or not he's a good player. Should we consider him amongst the most hateable Rockets? I I can't stand this dude. There we go, Maxine. I can't stand that he's there like we go, drilling three pointers. How do you like, really feel? Came out of nowhere. I don't like I his mean, beard. Like, let's be serious. He's on the Wizards, like acting like such a chump. You know, like he was doing everything he could on those podiums to not be on that team, Scott and then like he gets him. traded to the. Rockets? Are you kidding me? It's uh, uh, yeah, no, I can't stand it. And then he's like, and then he's contributing meaningfully. Like that a boy. Come on, that a boy. Where was this anger when Rusty told us we'd be recording in an exercise room? I'm juiced. I'm getting more jacked by the minute. What are you talking about? And get off that exercise bike. It's awkward for all of us, and I don't know why you're doing it. Uh, real question. So, as a fan, this officiating is infuriating. Um, but am I being a homer? Yes. You, straight out. It, has the officiating been fair in this series? It's been great. No, it is not. Although I will tell you, I don't ever do this. I will tell you, last night I saw a cheap play, 
a foul, legitimate foul that was not called. Um, and I didn't see it live. I thought the way Stephen Curry has been finishing around the rim in this series, I thought he just missed it. But then I watched the replay, and Gerald Green puts a yes, forearm I saw that. right in his lower okay, back exactly after he's already lifted off. Okay, and that, that's not only a foul that they missed; that's cheap. Why do you? We're going to follow up on that in a second. Why do you feel the officiating has been fair? Am I? I they're so stinking good. Like that, that, this tells you exactly that, right? I get paid to watch the games, and I didn't see it live. And it took three, four replays where I finally saw it, and. Every time there is a replay and I think, oh, that could be blocked charge, and I look at it, I'm like, they might have got that one wrong. And then I look at the replay three times in slow down motion. I'm like, oh, they got it right. It's amazing how good they are. And, and, and I'll admit that, like I said, James Harden has learned a way to play beyond the shadow of a whistle. He's yeah. learned to, to make the game work for him, but it's within the rule. They're call, like, all they can do is call what the rule book says. And I will admit, perhaps my anger is misplaced because really what I'm angry about is the rules, not how the rules That's are right. called. That's right. Um, but the exception to that, and you And you've had nail. to see it two series in a row because you just saw it with Lou Williams in the Clippers series, and then James Harden's doing it too. I thought the best indication that these guys are fishing for uh, calls as opposed to getting good shots, I think it was in that last game. Um, but Chris Paul goes up for a jumper, very clearly is looking for a foul. And so he jumps backwards and literally just falls on his back right. because nobody touched him and he, he hit nothing but the backboard. And he wasn't looking to make the shot. He was looking to make contact. But I digress because I want to say this. The exception to that is the way that Steph's called. Yes. All right. And I bring this up every podcast and it, it's becoming repetitive, but I have to say it. It's, nah, preach. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, the, the, the talent level that he brings, but let's take it away from that and let's view the NBA as what it is. This is a money-making enterprise. He is their biggest money maker. Why does he not get calls? Why are they not protecting him? Let, let, me, let me ask you what specifically you're saying about Stephen Curry because the way that he gets clutched and grabbed away from the ball yep. is unlike anything I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and he does not get that call. I, I'll agree with you. Um, they're talking about doing something that they did similar with soccer where you got punished for flopping. And what Stephen Curry does on three-pointers a lot of times is kick a leg out or try yep. to pretend like he hit somebody. He shouldn't get that call. Nope. Um, and the other thing that he's, get, he's getting called for on the other end is reaching all the time. Yeah. And there was a, a – he got switched off on James Harden the other night. Uh, I guess this was actually in game two. He puts his hand behind his back, and he tries to body him up. And then just because of his habits, immediately reaches and commits a foul. Yeah. And what, what else can you do but, but call it? You are you are pulling a Marcus Judo move here. I'm not talking about the calls that he is getting on him. If, talking if you're about, talking about clutching and grabbing away from it, I, I totally or agree. Or even with you. the Gerald. So I mean, let's take the example. But that's you've given. but that's small man syndrome. The most and we've had that we've had that conversation with Stephen Curry forever. He's always been the littlest guy in the gym. He's always played. He he knew when to go to the Y so he could play with older guys who were better than yep. him. He had to play through contact. So he's, he hasn't never learned the way to draw those fouls. He thinks the right thing to do huh. is to keep fighting through the clutching and grabbing. And maybe during a timeout on the way to a huddle, he might say something. But during the action, he's playing through it. He's not doing what Chris Paul okay. does where he just falls on his back. Everything right? you're saying is 100% fair and right. Okay, But let's go back to the dirty play that you were just talking about. And let's start with who, who performed it. Gerald Green's right. two most significant contributions to the NBA are a terrible haircut and him blowing out the candle on a cupcake during the <laughs> That's right. I mean, literally, that's, right. Right, that's what he has done. Okay, And, and he made some shots during a, a Western Conference Finals that they ultimately lost. Steph Curry, on the other hand, is legitimately the face of the league. Hey, come on in. Sorry, we, we kind of took over the gym for a little bit. I'm sorry. 
He's the face of the league. He's going down on a remarkably important possession, right? I mean, I think we're in the last five minutes of the game. Everybody is watching. This is going to help dictate the remainder of the season. Gerald Green flagrantly pushes him to the ground. We don't get a call. How could that happen? Not not you. with with who Steph is. I don't understand why that happens. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and and it's hard for me to ever make the story about officiating. I hate that. I I hate the new two minute thing where they come out and try to tell no. you all these things that happen. It's like just don't. Like yeah. I don't yeah. I don't need all that. Yeah. Just tell tell me everything was fair. Let's go along with it. Um, because I think the overwhelming majority of the time they get it right. But I'll give you that one. They missed it. Not only was it a foul, it was dirty. Nice. And so, and so, what they'll make up for it in Game Six. The officials are so good about this yeah. stuff that, that now it won't take. Stephen Curry's not going to get up and start yelling about that. Right. He's going to run back on defense and try to do his thing, and then reach and get called for a foul. Right? That's what he's going to do. But I bet you in Game Six, if something similar to that happens again, I bet the officials are all over it. Because unlike me, I don't listen to the podcast to make myself better. The officials go home, watch video of what they did, and they get better. If they miss the call, they make it better the next game. Right. Yeah, please, so follow Rushy's advice and stop listening to this podcast. That is, <laughs> Wait, no, you subscribe to this thing, right? Yeah, no, that's yeah, right. Yeah, we got, we got, do, got. in fact, subscribe to it. And, and, and to be totally fair, if you subscribe and download, you don't have to listen. We're totally oh, happy okay. just with the number itself. Uh, Personality-wise, would you be willing to flop? No. Really? No. I That's because you I, got I, talent. The, the guys who don't have talent, we got to find other ways. Find a way. yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, James Harden has talent. Chris Paul has talent. They both flop. That's right. I hate watching them more than Austin Rivers, to answer your earlier question. <laughs> like, do I hate Austin Rivers? Yeah, but not nearly as much as James Harden and, <laughs> and Chris Paul because they just they found a way to make the game not about the game. And it's, it's just infuriating. They've taken my favorite form of entertainment, ruined it because of the flopping, and I'll answer my own question, I would definitely flop 100%. If they came to me, I would like I would be totally for sale. I would flop terribly. I could see kicking out my legs and trying to get like all of the kind of contact possible. I heard you say you would. You kind of oh, slipped absolutely. in what you were absolutely. talking about. Yeah. The, the, the only thing that I, I start to consider there is if they do something similar, if, if the rules committee does something this offseason like they did in soccer where you started getting carded for flopping, yeah. right. um, if they do something like that where if it starts costing you a technical where it's obvious that you flopped, um, then then you got to start thinking about it because then it's hurting your team. But yeah, if you're getting the advantage, I'm flopping. Yeah, this is this is actually this is like classic game theory, right? Like the one I the one I think about is you're you're on an airplane, right? You pull up to the gate, and I am so excited to see where this goes. The logical <laughs> thing to do. If you want to get off the fastest and you're in the back of the plane, the logical thing to do is let everybody in the first row get off, and then in the second row, and then eventually it'll get back. Why don't to you just go out the door in the back? <clears throat> Man, I'm not on one of these <laughs> private planes where they just let you get off wherever you want. Are you creating doors to airplanes? <laughs> I think that's a bathroom. Dude. <laughs> just kick a hole through the window. Yeah. I'll just go out here through the bathroom, guys. <laughs> TSA is going to love that. But, but go ahead. <laughs> um, but that never happens, right? Because one person in the back of the plane is going to get up and run yes. to the front, right? And they ruin the whole thing for everybody. And that's exactly what Chris Paul and James Harden are doing. So I'd like to say, like MT, that I wouldn't do it and I wouldn't for about five minutes into a game, and then I'm seeing them doing it, getting away with it, getting the calls, and then I'm going to start doing it because that's the rules of the road because I don't want to get cut in line. So disappointing. I'm looking at Chris Paul, James Harden, and Marcus Smart, and I'm Steph Curry right now. <laughs> right. The only wow. pure one in the game right now. Weird that stupid, healthy Marcus <laughs> is sitting up on his judgment cloud, handing down judgment to everybody. But even if Stephen Curry wasn't on 
the team that you rooted for, wouldn't you respect the fact that he plays through the yes. clutching and grabbing yes. and all that stuff? Yeah. I, I tell you what, I mean, we, we've complimented him every way that I know how, and he found a new way to impress me last night. He was he was awful through three quarters mm-hmm. last night. I mean, to the point where all of us were worried and we were thinking about injuries and, you know, what's going on. Then he loses his best ally, their best scorer, the guy who's keeping him in the game. That is the perfect setup to quit. And instead, he dug deep. And he found that thing that only superstars find. And I have no idea where it came from. I have no idea how the hell he found it. But thank God he did. Because had they lost that, this is a totally different scenario. Mm-hmm. I mean, this would be a funeral march. I mean, like, it, it would have been a done deal. And now I genuinely think they have a shot at pulling this thing out. Why is he playing poorly? I think it's, I think it's his finger. Did you think, I think it's hurt? I think taping your two fingers like that is so awkward when you're used to having mobility in those two and especially for him because he plays almost ambidextrous where yeah, yeah. he finishes really well he's not finishing layups and yeah. it has to do something I'm just I'm blaming the finger yeah, I, I think there's he's slower he's not getting by people he doesn't he doesn't reliably get by a nene when he gets isolated up top so I felt like there's some lower body thing but I think you're saying the right thing because when he initially hurt it's weird uh, that you're pointing his, at Marcus and not me then did you mean me you or? did not say the right yeah, thing I felt like I was yeah. saying the right <laughs> thing that's really weird <laughs> I, I initially thought when he hurt middle finger on the left hand, I thought that's just your guide hand on the shot. It's not going to affect him. But you're exactly right. So much of his game is about being ambidextrous, is is creating separation with dribble using both hands, with passing with both hands. And so not being able to get by Nene might not be that he has a lower body injury. It might be that it's just not in the same rhythm that he normally is with his dribble dance, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 100%. I was thinking there was a play where he went up for a layup entirely with his right hand, just bricked it. Yeah. And, you know, one of the two guys, I don't even remember who it is, right, said like, oh, yeah, well, that's because he's got a tape on his finger. And the other one was like, nah, it was his right hand, right? But, like, the ball has to get to your right hand, sure. and how does it get there? From your left hand. And if he doesn't toss it the right way, like, that's going to throw off everything. I mean, these guys have it down to such a science that any minor motion change is going to screw up everything. Yeah. And if he has a lower body injury, I mean, that's <laughs> If you would have said if you would have said any of this stuff, I would have been like, Bram, you're exactly right. I feel you like said none of it. Just just use that and edit it in. <laughs> Time, I got just you. a little bit earlier. We've got all new equipment, Rusty. You can run, but you can't hide, buddy. Here, let's just pretend like we did here. Rusty, I really appreciate it. Yeah, that's, it's been fun. Yeah, and then I worked on that for a while, so it feels good. Let's uh, not beat around the bush. Give me predictions, boys. Who wins this series? Warriors in seven. I mean, that's the right answer. Wow. Would you bet on it? Is this, is this a heart or a head decision? Both. I wouldn't yeah. bet a lot of money, but I think right. it's a toss-up, but I think the Warriors have the slight edge. Yeah. It's weird for me, too, to think about it. Like, before the series started, I thought they would win at six. The Warriors are so good on the road. Um, I actually think they're sometimes better on the road than they are at home. I yeah. think they like that just-us mentality. I think they like going into a hostile crowd. Um, but just watching the way things are playing in this series, I, I think it goes to seven. And, and that's perfect. They have to send Oracle out right at some point and, and wouldn't – Everybody knows this is the championship series, right? So wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great to have Game 7 at home? I totally agree, and I mean, that is that is the reasonable right take. Um, I'm still, I'm very confident. I think they could pull it off in six. Um, I think they got a ton of momentum for all of the reasons that we talked mm-hmm. about. Them being down, you know, um, them being the underdogs, I mean, and you yep. know, in the line. I mean, there's so many reasons to respect what these guys are walking into and we know that they come up huge in big moments and we know that Houston folds in big moments so I'm basically just summarizing what everybody has listened to for the past 45 minutes <laughs> but like yeah I mean I could see it in six 
Uh, you guys know what my take is. Warriors win it probably seven. Um, I don't think it's delusional. I do think it's optimistic. You know what I'll say? More than anything, more than another ring, more than the dynasty continuing, more than an overture to KD, more than anything, I don't want Houston to be the team that knocks the, uh, the Warriors out of Oracle. I just I, like That can't be it. It can't be these guys. It just can't be. And so I, I hope that we have kind of a rallying call behind that. And, what, what would be okay? Dame knocking them out? Really just anybody else. I don't yeah. care if they lost to the Washington Generals. I okay. feel okay about it. I yeah. just don't want it to be this team that has been engineered to beat us. I wonder you know? what the two-minute report would look like against the Washington Generals. <laughs> be, be wide open. I'd like you not to ask follow-up questions on my jokes. I think most of these things are just you know one-time zingers, and we just move right past it. Uh, for Game Seven, do. KD and DeMarcus pull a Willis Reed for the young listeners. Willis Reed played for the Knicks, got hurt, came back out, <laughs> couldn't play, but the emotional lift helped them win. By a young listener, did you mean Maxine? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yep. Just graduated <laughs> kindergarten. Even, even if it was just one play, like uh, a lot of people forget about David Lee was knocked out of the Denver series when the Warriors were yeah. just coming up, right? They, they had no business being in that series. David Lee was out. Um, so they were starting Carl Landry, and all of a sudden, David Lee's in the layup line. The place is going crazy yep. and Mark Jackson knowing his history runs one play the Willis Reed play David Lee missed it because that's what happens sometimes sometimes the story isn't perfect but but wouldn't it be great to do that with with DeMarcus or Kevin Durant right yeah. just one play let, let him run out there and see what kind of emotions your teammates get out of that I, I was at that game we got there early we're sitting in the seats I see David Lee in the uh, layup line I tell Erica my wife who came to the game with me oh David Lee's playing and she didn't care at all at all <laughs> so I get up and I go into the little club level and I start telling people like thinking that like I'm like Paul Revere like I'm spreading this amazing <laughs> information and I told like by the sixth person who to me and didn't give a single shit. It's like, I'm just going back with Erica. They're like, this is, this is not going the way it was supposed to go. Why can't Andre hit a free throw? Why every time he steps up to the free throw line, I'm positive he's going to miss one? He was so bad from the foul line two, three years ago that he started on the road shooting left-handed, and I thought he was really going to switch to it. I still think, I guess it's a pride thing why guys don't go underhand, but I, I still think that's the way to go. But the one thing I will say about Andre now is at least he is not scared of contact he's not scared of going to the line he's going to go 50 percent, whatever but there were a couple there were a couple years there where he just avoided contact he he did not want to go to the foul line and at least he'll do that now you You got to make the right play as terrified as I was in that final possession when Clay threw it to basically nobody at all. Just how he drew it out. What the hell happened on that play? What was the play call? You've been watching this team long enough. You know that any loose ball, Kevon Looney's getting it. So that's fine. (laughs) It's as if they said, okay, what we need to do is dribble immediately into the corner and then throw a weak pass to nobody, to nobody at all. Let's just see what happens. Clay, you step out of bounds. As fast as you can. Please, Steph. Trip him with your head. It was it was fantastic <laughs> from the get go, and I would love to know what was really going on in Clay's mind during the whole thing. To shoot it because it was wrong from the start. Like he pushes it, and then he gives it to the worst foul shooter. Realizes what he's done, and tries to go to get it back. Andre, that's right. exactly right. <laughs> yeah. What I would imagine is if we had like some kind of machine that allowed us to go into his head, we'd hear him be like, "I wonder what Rocco's doing." Right <laughs> that's, right. that's exactly right. <laughs> you know, hope I'm making him proud. Yeah. Is it nighttime in Japan? You know, just like that's a string of super random weirdo takes. And he shouldn't have shot that layup. No, he should not have shot that layup. My God, no. That entire end, I had just started speaking again. Eric's friends, like, had just started thinking I wasn't weird. And then that final play, when he throws it to nobody, we were inside, and I literally fell on the ground. Like, I literally <laughs> fell down. And, like, if we were with, like, you guys, like, that's a weird reaction. But, like, you're all sports fans. Like, it, you know, it's kind of in the lexicon of things that could happen. These dudes, like, they thought I was having, like, a heart attack or something. They 100% did not understand why I was on the ground. The wild thing is, an hour after the play, 
Draymond Green tells him, what in the world were you doing? Why did you shoot that thing? And Clay just looks at him like, what? I made it. <laughs> a guy who's been around hoop his whole life. His dad was the number one pick. He's been around the game forever. He's a smart basketball player. And an hour later, had no idea that he shouldn't have taken that shot. He was like, what? I made it. It's a well, good shot. Didn't, didn't they high five immediately after that? <laughs> he went nuts. This is an excellent podium moment. Yeah. They immediately, the, the Warriors need to get one of those quarterback uh, practice jerseys, those red ones, you know, put it on Andre in the final two minutes and we know, do not pass it to that dude. <laughs> oh, that is, he is fantastic. I love you, Andre, but let's keep you off the goddamn free throw line, man, because that is not how this should go. Rusty, we've got a brand new segment for it, uh, one we've been working in this year, um, but it is new to you, if not to us. It is called Look Around the League. So Not look around the gym. Not look around the gym. No, you'd be shocked to find that this is the first and only time we've ever recorded in a gym, so there's not, in fact, a segment named after it. But in the Look Around the League, Marcus has spent the week digging up three stories from around the league. He's going to give us all three. We will then vote on which story to... Uh, to listen to, and if you want to follow last week's pattern, Marcus is going to give us one good story, and then you guys will vote on the other stories, and we'll have to talk about BS instead of the good one. So we'll find out. But MT, what do you got? Cool. First up, Adam Silver said he wants 50% of the new referees to be women, and by that time that happens, 50% of all head coaches <laughs> to be women as well. Wow. Um, second story. Uh, PG3, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook both had surgeries recently, so... Was their collapse in the playoffs justified? Huh. Okay. Um, and last but not least, the Lake Show. They can't find a new coach. It's gotten so bad, the Lakers fans have literally organized a protest in front of Staples Today. tomorrow at noon. Uh, I meant tomorrow. Or tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> and for everyone listening, we're recording this tomorrow. So <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. My vote is simple, Lakers. Um, I cannot get enough of their misery. I like uh, basking in it. So, in fact, if I have some extra time tomorrow, you'll find me outside of Staples. So <laughs> that's my pick. What do you guys want? Uh, I, I like. Adam Silver, I think most everything he does is right. Uh, I think getting closer to gender equity is the right move. I think the NBA is way ahead of everybody else on it, but has so far to go. Um, I'm impressed with what's happening in front offices across the league now. Um, I'm actually working on a story with the Warriors. They have six women in VP or higher levels in the front office. Um, and that, that's where the league is going. I, I think it's probably going to happen in the front office first. Um, but Becky Hammond could be the best head coach in the league right now. Yeah. So uh, I, I think it's happening, and, and I think it's great for Adam Silver to get out in front and support it. Um, the NBA is the only men's professional league that has a women's league. I, I think they're on the cusp of doing some things. 50-50 is probably a long way off, but, yeah. but I, I like I like getting out in front of it and saying this is where we should go because that's the right answer. I mean, I think we're just supposed to be voting on the story now. <laughs> You're giving us all your takes. You're firing all of your shots now. I, I don't think you can ever be wrong with women's empowerment. Oh, don't you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> 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 yeah, unbelievable. I'm the only one in this room who has a daughter. I don't want to hear anything from any of you bastards. And I will say, I now change my vote. I want to talk about the Adam Silver thing because I know that Rusty has nothing left off. <laughs> he just spent 45 minutes voting and he gave us all of his takes. But Maxime, I still want to hear where you'd like to go. So, I mean, the you know, I, I really like this tradition of talking about the other two stories in the lead up to the vote and then leaving the vote to be the third story. So on that note, because Rusty already said everything that I wanted to say about, My God. Uh, about Adam Silver and how excellent his moves have been in like the worldwide execution of bringing yeah. basketball to the next level. It is freaking awesome. So I just want to say with regards to OKC, I, I don't 
think it changes anything about the series because I was thinking about Yusuf Nurkic coming back to the bench and the like the boost that he gave them, right? So seeing KD, if it goes to a Game 7, just come out there on the bench could be enough to put us over the top. And with that, I'm voting for the Lakers story. <laughs> I love it. I don't even know who won. I, I have no idea anymore. I don't know which way we're talking about. Oh, this is a great segment. <laughs> You know, I actually have a fourth story I'm going to throw into the mix. It's a wild craze that's picking up a lot of momentum. It's people recording podcasts in random places. You know, like exercise rooms, bathrooms, restaurants. I mean, they're all over the we place. We can do it as part of the protest tomorrow, today, at Staples. Let's go one question per, all right? Lakers, how, uh, how many years before they are in the playoffs again? Next year. Wow. Why? Because they've signed somebody or because LeBron is LeBron? Yeah, they have the best player in the world. And then it's that simple. Yeah. Why didn't it work this year? Because he missed 18 games and should never have come back. And by the time he came back, the season was over. Do you agree? I do. They were fourth in, fourth in the West yeah. Coast before they yep. before he went down. Did I, I just ask Marcus well. if he agrees with the guest? Did we even it's amazing. We know, we know for <laughs> yeah. sure this was going to say. Absolutely. I tuned out immediately. I was like, it's yeah. going to I'll have another take that is in line with what Rusty's talking about. <laughs> Weird. Um, I, I, I love chosen, exercise rooms. <laughs> I would have chosen uh, Adam Silver, and I think, well, the, <laughs> I right think the Lakers I don't should hire women. Becky Hammond. Yo. Ooh, like it. Wow, folding two together. How does that yeah. even work? It just changes the entire narrative. She's it too smart to take that job, but I like it. Way too <laughs> smart, yeah. What I liked is after he said it, he gave the functional equivalent of dropping the mic. This one nodded. <laughs> Hell of yep. slowly with his head while making deep and controlled eye contact. Good for you. He man. knew it was right. Yeah. yeah. If you had used the word flowery in that sentence, I would have said <laughs> amazing. Um, let's take a question from the Adam Silver thing. Is Adam Silver already the best commissioner the NBA has ever had? Ooh, that's Ooh. tough. Wow. That's really tough. Um, David Stern's legacy is amazing. Um, I'm interested to see what Adam Silver does. Like, he was like a week on the job when he got rid of Donald Sterling. Yep. Like, you know, like, it just yep. he was like, "We don't need to vote on this thing. Yep. I'm done with this dude." Yep. Right? Yeah. And it just seems like uh, everything. He, he just has a the right moral compass for almost everything yeah. he does. I, I, li- I like where he's leading the league. This is a random question. It's one I wanted to ask you the last time we recorded. Um, but as you may remember, Erica came outside while we were recording, and I kind of uh, cut it off a little bit faster than I wanted. But what I was going to ask you, what made me think of it is, what I love about David Stern is I'm positive there's a bunch of you know bodies in his past we'll never find out about because he was willing to do everything he needed to keep the league alive. But my question to you is this. If you could ask anybody uh, from the NBA anything, and they had to answer it truthfully, what would you ask and to who? Oh, that's really good. Go around the room while I ponder that. Mine would be the, and I've I've done this before, so I'm this I'm question to me would clearly question. be your question. Uh, yeah, I would ask, yeah. I would ask, I would ask it to Rusty. It's weird that you're able to read my mind right. that fast. Um, it would be something to David Stern. Uh, actually, no, it would be something to Michael Jordan. Um, yeah. You know, the either did you go play baseball because it was actually yeah. a, a uh, suspension yeah. or you know something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. My my thought immediately goes to Michael Jordan. Um, I'm probably going to be proved wrong at some point, but I'm from that era where Michael Jordan was the best and it doesn't matter what anybody else does in the future. I just can't get over the yeah. fact that he was the best. So I would have like, I'd have to whittle it down from 27 questions I wanted to ask him yeah. to one. But living in the Bay Area and working closely with the Warriors, we have the answer to every question right here in Rick Welts because uh-huh. he was in all those rooms with David Stern, uh-huh. right? He, he helped change all this. He's he, he seen everything. Sure. He has the answer to everything. Yeah. So oh, yeah. 
once we figure out what the real question is, we should, we should just ask Rick. That's a great point. I was I would say Jerry West because yeah. I feel like he also has just pulled so many strings to get the league to where it is and get teams and just built up amazing franchises like he has to have some amazing stories of what almost happened that would have changed the landscape give me a question i didn't so i'll, I'll change the paradigm my question to jordan would be were you suspended you know was were you actually wanted to play baseball or did you in fact get suspended because of gambling and you know give us the background on that was there really a fax that he said i'm back when he came back to the okay, league that'd go. be but interesting like, right? give me a question yeah. what, what would you ask so if you're sitting next to rick wells what would you ask i mean this won't be your only one but what springs to mind what kind of things would you like to run by it would have to be something with the original Dream Team. Um, Rick Welts was was on that trip huh. with that team. He saw those practices. He saw all of that yeah. stuff. So a lot of that, like, did did the college team really beat the Dream Team? Sure. Did did Chuck Daly do that on purpose? You know, it was some, yep. something around that. Um, a lot of times, I'll ask open ended questions too, and and Rick would be perfect for this because you could just say what was the best thing you saw, and he would give you an answer that was way better than anything yeah, you could have sure. asked right for jerry west you could do something like do you already have a deal with kevin durant to come to the clippers there you go. <laughs> and jerry west doesn't sugarcoat things so if you ask him the direct question he's probably right. just gonna say yeah we got that <laughs> would you ask phil jackson who's better michael or kobe there you go. Ooh, that'd be great. Yeah, I like this. Or uh, Shaq, did he hate and does he hate Kobe? You know, I, I think there's good stuff here. You got one? Yeah, yeah. Um, after we successfully survived the zombie apocalypse because Muggsy Bugs was on my, <laughs> my shoulders God. the entire time, my God, what would we do to Muggsy Bugs? Okay, do you remember when <laughs> no. you and I, yes, when you and I decided that Scott gave us the worst answer of all time mm-hmm. uh, when he had to, like, I, I don't even remember the question was. He loved he, Mike Dunleavy. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. That he. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember. Are you about better. to say, hold on. That's hold 100% on. accurate. That is exactly right. That is a word. It had, it had something to do with, like, picking somebody to, like, fight for you. Yeah. He picked my Who did you want with you in alley? Literally, like, it was, like, the worst yeah. answer of all time. Okay. I now have an answer. It doesn't beat that one. I forgot that it, it was Mike not. Dunleavy. But if you could pick somebody to help you through the zombie apocalypse, this fool picked Muggsy Bugs because he'd fit on his shoulders. Yeah, that's the wrong answer. It's the wrong answer. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. Dude, fools don't know how to actually survive a zombie apocalypse. I know that it has nothing to do with midgets so on your I'm shoulders. I'm just trying to deal with... There, there are a lot of tough dudes in the league, but the answer to this question is always Marcin Gortat. <laughs> he said, wow. I can get away with all the fronting, all the verbal altercations. Let us box. Yeah. A dude who will stand in front of you and say, you can have the first shot, I'll take that guy. Yeah. A dude whose nickname is the Polish Hammer. <laughs> but he's, there's not going to be a whole lot of running from the Polish Hammer. You know, like you probably do need a little bit of flexibility to get yourself through the zombie apocalypse. He's upset the NBA is more like the NHL, right? right like that's right. Yeah. Fighting like the NHL. Yep. Yep. <laughs> So actually, so these are all; those are all like really excellent answers. And the Rick Wells thing is like that's that's solid. The one thing that I will just say is like a, a Warriors head from recent. I actually want to know what happened with McCaw. Like if I could ask him Bram to get his take, you can tell by his face. <laughs> well, well, when the Warriors play Toronto in the finals, you can ask him. Yeah. What you don't know, Rusty, just to, <laughs> to remind both our audience member and our guest, Marcus spent the better part of like I don't know what five, six years asking questions about Pat McCall for God knows what reason. So I'm going to go ahead and not jump back down the Pat McCall well. Uh, I don't care that much more about him. Boys, huge fun. True every week, certainly true this week. Rusty, um, I, you know, Gosh, man, you know how the hell I appreciate you on this show. Love Glad I could provide this uh, facility yeah, for no, you Yeah, no, your facility is terrible. Can I, no, wait, hold on. Can I say, I have, there was a pod last year, which is before I started, 
where Bram and Scotty went and had a conversation with Zaza, right? And like that in and of itself was dope, but it was made even more dope because it was happening in the practice facility. And there's like shots going off in the background. You heard shoes squeaking the whole thing. So to me, I just like pro tip to everybody out there trying to podcast in gyms, like just pretend it's the Warriors practice facility. (laughs) I was juiced the whole time. I was like, this is so sick. This is so legit. (laughs) Like we got a dude that literally has access to the Warriors locker room. This is all happening for me right now. So I'm all in. I am all in. You know that random dude who was behind you was not Steph, right? It was just somebody random who lives in in Rusty's building. He pulled out the weights. I was like, this dude is an athlete. Guy came in, got 5,000 left. Exactly. He looked at you and said, I'm going to keep working out. <laughs> right? Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> Great. I couldn't complete sentences for the first five minutes. I mean, and I speak for a living, so that wasn't a really good sign of uh, my professionalism. Anyways, I do love having you on, Rusty. Generally speaking, you don't take me up on this invitation, but I know that people would like to hear more from you. If they wanted to get more from you, where should they go? I uh, think find me online in a newspaper. Sometimes they put me on TV, even though I'm goofy looking. It's weird. <laughs> and in exercise rooms by <laughs> you for us. If you'd like to reach out to us in any way, including giving us uh, uh, a feedback, if you like the take, didn't like the takes, anything like that, we can be hit up at warriorshuddle.gmail.com. Our Twitter account is at Warriors Huddle. Um, our Patreon account, if you would like to support us, and we had an outpouring of support last week. In fact, next week, I'm What did you do, start. replay a podcast with me? We, we <laughs> that is not what we did. And I said an outpouring of support. Oh, well, yeah, I don't know if you know what that word means, but it isn't associated with your appearances. Anyways, the people who are nice enough to give us money, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We're going to highlight you a little bit more next week. If you would like to help us out, go to Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N look us up and you can help us out for as little as a dollar a month Um, with that in mind go Warriors and hopefully we'll see you next week Good, good. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.